So the series is the surround sounds of Christmas, and this is part one. And, and it's like surround, you know, when you have surround sounds watching a movie, you, you kind of enjoy the movie better. You, you see, like you hear the truck drive from this side to that side. And so for the surround sounds, this is where we want to build the picture up around the birth of Christ and some of the things that we may easily miss. And so here we, so, so today we're going to be starting on this series, The Surround Sounds of Christmas. And we know also that Christmas is coming, right? It's starting to look a little like Christmas. We're singing Christmas carols. We've got Christmas, Christmas tree up already in the foyer. And, 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 then, and you go, I went to the base yesterday and you just drive in circles looking for a car park. <laughs> and, um, and then you start fighting with other people trying to get to that one same car space. And anyway, um, you start praying in tongues and things like that. Because uh, other tongues are coming out, so you come praying against that. <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's starting to feel a little like Christmas already at the base. Um, but, and then also how we know Christmas is coming, because all the barbecues start coming on, right? The, the, the functions are happening. And, and, and then, you, then you have the Christmas parties, the Christmas barbecues, the family get-togethers. But do you, do you have one of those family members that always come, that always seems to be a bit louder? They're, and sometimes there's a bit of a whisper, like, who invited that person to this party? You're like, what, my gang, what? hope so-and-so is not like that, and, or they pass out on the, in the middle of the, whatever. You know, does anybody even have those kind of family members that turn up and you hope they're not there that Christmas? You got that, any of those family members? Or maybe you're that family member. <laughs> Put your hand up if you're that family member. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, let's, let's be, and so the black sheep, they're the black sheep of the family. But let's be honest, we are all a bit weird. We're all a bit strange, and you could be thinking about this about some family member, and you have no idea that they're all thinking that about you. But anyway, let's move on. And, and, and so we, we all have flaws. We all do. Let's be honest. We all have flaws, and, and we try our best to hide our flaws from each other, and we always try to show the best version of ourselves all the time. And it's like if you ever go out on a date for the very first time, you know, for those who are young enough to, or those who still do that, um, this, you don't, when you have your first date or whatever, you don't say to that person, hi, hi, my name is Jake, just to say it's not me when I'm saying this. My name is Jake, and before we get started, I just want to say that I have uh, many issues and I have issues with my emotions, but hey, you know, what would you like to order? You, you don't start off like that. You, you, you don't, you don't sh- there's some things... You don't share on your first date, right? You wait until there's a ring on that finger, right? No, 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 don't, don't wait then. Don't wait then. By then it's too late, okay? Don't wait then. But the thing is, we, we kind of try to give our best impression all the time. So when it comes to Matthew, who's writing his gospel account of the life of Jesus, and he begins to write the Christmas story, what does he begin to do? He begins to give the first impressions of how he sees it. And what's really interesting, how he starts the Christmas story is with a genealogy. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. And it reads something like this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we're going to read through this whole genealogy. And because for many of you here, if you're like me, when you get to your Bibles, if you read the Bible, and you come to genealogies, quite often if it's me, it's like, do I really want to read this genealogy? You know, does anybody ever skip the genealogy, just get straight to the story? Anybody do that? You kind of do. And so we kind of want to do that. We want to skip there. But, but this is the surround sounds, and we're not skipping anything this time. But just to keep you engaged, because I already know for some of the dads already, I'm talking about genealogy, you're already starting to nod off. And just to keep your attention, I thought I'd give an exciting title to keep your attention during this time. So the title for today's message is Party at Matt's House. Party at Matt's House. Come on. 
uh, party mats us, and already people waking up. What party? Where's the party? And so um, there's Matt and Michelle. We're going to your place after this for a party. Is that right? Party mats us. Okay. So party mats us, and this is what it is. So. So now we've got this title, we can go through this genealogy and we're going to be fully aware and fully awake, fully woke to what's to be said. Oh, come on. Here we go. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And, and, and it goes on and on, all the way from Abraham, all the way to Jesus. Now the question is, why does Matthew begin with a genealogy? You know, if you're trying to, if you want to put your your best foot forward, you know, you want to give good impressions. Why start with genealogy? And the reason being is because Matthew's audience, as he was writing this account, he was writing it towards to the, the Jew, a Jewish audience. Now, for a Jew, if you're saying that, that Jesus is the Messiah, they want to know one thing first. Before I listen to you, I want to know one thing first. Is he a descendant of King David? Because, because we all know that God said that, that, that the descendant of David will be on the throne forever. And if he's not a descendant of David, then we don't want to listen to this. So, so what does Matthew do? He answers the question straight off the bat. Straight off the bat. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So, okay, he, he fits the criteria. And he begins this genealogy, right? And this is how he does it. And so, so when you look at historians through the, the ancient historians, when you read your, the, any ancient stories about Caesar, ancient stories about England, or um, the Vikings, uh, all those historians that had written those stories were paid by a general, by a king, or an emperor. And the reason they would pay these historians to, to write this amazing historical account, they had one point in mind, and that was to make them look good. So they made their battle sound amazing. And in fact, they don't even mention the ones that they lost. Oh, they might maybe downplay it a little bit, or sometimes not even mention it. When it comes to their children, if their children are really, really good, then, then historians will, will paint this amazing picture of their kids and their, their exploits. But what's really interesting, if their kid didn't do so well, sometimes they weren't even mentioned. Because why mention somebody that was kind of ordinary? Or really, there wasn't too much to mention about them. So let's just cut them out of the story. So now we come to Matthew. Matthew's writing his historical account. Now, if he sticks to the storyline, and if he begins to paint this picture, therefore, if he follows, okay, let's, well, let's paint rainbows and butterflies about Jesus. He's just amazing. He's, he is, when you look at his genealogy, you know, there's, there's, you know, obviously, you look at his genealogy, of course he's the son of God. Of course he's the one that the Bible talks about. But what's really interesting is that Matthew, Matthew begins to do the reverse. It almost seems like that Matthew was doing all that he could to make you second guess because he begins to list names in this genealogy that you thought, well, why did he mention that name? He, did, he shouldn't have mentioned this name. It's kind of like, why did he mention that? Well, who invited that family member to the barbecue? It's kind of those kind of moments. What, what, because if, if what, what he should have done is stick to the storyline, just mention the guys and everything's okay because that's what you should do. But what does he do? He throws in four women into the genealogy. Like, you're not even meant to do that, but he does that anyway. But three of the ladies that he mentions, they're not even Jewish. So it's kind of like Matthew said, oh, by the way, the Savior of the world, he doesn't even have a pure bloodline because three of them are not even Jewish. In fact, two of them he shouldn't have mentioned at all. So this, this is his account. This is the upside-down genealogy. This is an upside-down version of, 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 of a historian. He should have, like, if, if you read the story, he should, Matthew, just stick to the storyline. Just mention the guys. 
and everything be okay. Now, we will miss that because we, don't, we have no idea. Maybe if you, if you, um, if you don't know the, the uh, Jewish history, you'll probably have no idea who these people are. But when you begin to read the Old Testament, you begin to recognize these names. So let's take a look at the, let's take a look uh, of verse 3. Then it goes on, Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. I know what you're thinking. OMG, he mentions Tamar. That's what you're thinking, right? Right, I know you're thinking that. Now, let me tell you something, let me tell you something about Tamar. If, you, if probably many of you in this room probably have no idea who Tamar is. Tamar, tell you what the story about, I, I can't even mention, I, I'm not even going to read you, read you some of the things that happen around the story of Tamar. There's some things I will not read in church. And the story of Tamar, you're going to have to read that for yourself. I mean, I would not even read this to my children. Now, if you know me, it must be pretty high up there for me not to say, read these things. But, but you know what? I'll be, you know, for the Jewish readers reading this, they'll be going, oh, Tamar? I'll be like, man, why did you mention her? He, the thing is this. He didn't have to mention Tamar. He should just stick to the guys, stick to the storyline. Everything will be okay. But he mentions Tamar. It's crazy. Why? Makes no sense. And then we go on. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amenadab, Amenadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. There's another name, Rahab. I mean, why did he mention Rahab? Rahab had a nickname. Her nickname was Rahab the. Did someone say, I thought someone said, like a garden utensil. But anyway, <laughs> you fill in the blanks there. <laughs> Rahab the harlot. You know, it's really interesting. This is a, I'm, I'm just going to digress for my message. I, um, I come home last night um, and come home kind of, uh, we come home last night. My daughter's on my computer because uh, I work on the kitchen table. And she goes, Dad, I've, I um, need to talk to you about something. And I was going, what is it? He goes, Somebody Googled the meaning of harlot on your computer. <laughs> and, um, and this happened at, at 9.54 a.m. this morning. And uh, I'm like, she's about to turn 15. I think, who's the parent here? You know, <laughs> who is the parent here? And, she, uh, and I, I'm really concerned. <laughs> I'm like, um, okay, yeah. And so I had to explain to her about that. And she said, look, okay, I'll forgive you if you mention my name. Say, Rayla, I mentioned her name. Okay, let's move on. She's going to make a great mum one day. Let me tell you that. Rahab, you know, Rahab, the prostitute, the harlot. I mean, he, what, why mention this about Jesus? Why put the, Matthew did not have to mention Rahab, but he puts it in there anyway. He throws it in. Just like that, and it goes on. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Now, Ruth is a good story. That's a good story, okay? Whew. That's a good story. But again, Ruth was from Moab. She wasn't Jewish. Again, he's like, oh, by the way, you know, so just forgot to, just in case you forgot it, Jesus hasn't got a pure bloodline. In case you've forgotten, he did, not, he did not have to mention Ruth. Boaz, the father of Obed, was, uh, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Now, this is the point. We've finally arrived. Okay, okay, Matthew, we're here now. Let's move on. Let's just get to the, let's just get to the Christmas story. Okay, everything's all good. Everything, well, that's fine. But you know what? He's not finished. He's not, he's not finished. It's crazy what he says next. 
David was the father of Solomon, and look how he writes this, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Ooh. He doesn't even mention her name. But everybody knew. Everybody, everybody knew. Uriah's wife. That, that his mother was another man's wife. What? what? What are you doing, Leslie? What are you, what are you, what are you even put this in here? I mean, most Jewish people, they, they, they don't want to remember all, all Dave, King David's flaws. They want to remember the great things about King David. A man after God's own heart. A man that went to a sword battle with a stone. Okay, a man, a man who loves God. He, they don't want to hear about the story how, how David had, had one of his good friends killed so he can take his wife because he, had, because he committed adultery. They don't want to be reminded of that. But Matthew throws this in. <laughs> Son of Uriah's wife, another man's wife, throws it in there, throws it in their faith. They go, ooh, David and Bathsheba, because that's her name, Bathsheba. Ooh, that story, that's, that's, that's crazy. So what, what does he say? He, he could have just said, he could have said um, uh, Solomon, uh, David, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of, but he doesn't. He throws this in, he's like, he throws this in our face. In the genealogy, he's supposed to be painting rainbows and butterflies, but he's not. He's causing us to doubt because he's putting people in there that we wouldn't put in there. And you've got to understand this. He didn't even have to do it. If he stuck to the storyline, if he's just stuck to how it's supposed to be done, it would be okay. Because the point was, we thought the point was just to show us that Jesus is the son or is a descendant of David. That was the point, but that wasn't the point. David, Matthew throws all these shady characters into the genealogy. Throws them all with all their baggage, with all their sin, with all their shame. Because Matthew knew, Matthew knew that they were the point of the story he was about to tell. That all these people, these people who failed, these people who weren't good enough, they were the point of the story Matthew was about to tell. Because Matthew knew that sin was the issue that, was the issue that Jesus came to address. This is why Jesus came. For Matthew, the story of these, uh, these shady characters was his story, was Matthew's story. Because the people like Tamar, the people like Ruth, the people like Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, just in case you didn't know, all these people, they were his kinds of people. These were the kind of people that he, were, he was friends with. Because when, when Matthew fir first met Jesus, when Matthew first encountered Jesus, this is exactly where he was in this place. Because where does he encounter Jesus? He, count, he encounters Jesus at the tax collector's booth. Because Matthew was a tax collector. And, if you, and for you, okay, he's a tax collector, we're IRD, we know that. Okay, but you got to understand, when, when, the kind of emotion that therefore Jewish audience to get it's kind of like he's that, that kind of person who sells drugs to our children as they leave their school. Okay? They're that kind of people, the people that we, we think, wow, how, how why would you do that? Well, I don't understand. Why are you selling drugs to our children? Why would you do that? Does, and, and, oh, man, don't you have any decency? decency? Let's get that word right. We have all these kind of things. And this is what, and the reason why, reason why they were treated like this, they were the most hated people in all of Israel were tax collectors. In fact, tax collectors had their own category. There were sinners 
And then there were tax collectors. Sinners were seen in a high regard to tax collectors. They, had to, they, they, couldn't, they were worse than sinners. Tax collectors were worse than sinners because Rome had, had paid these Jewish people to go and, and, and collect taxes from all the people. But not just that. They can charge whatever they want. And, what, and whatever overflow they got, they got to keep. And so they were seen as traitors. They were an embarrassment to their family. They were not invited to the family barbecue. <laughs> they weren't even invited to church. They weren't allowed in the synagogues. They weren't allowed in, they weren't allowed in the temple. They were seen as filthy people. And this was Matthew. So he encounters the Savior of the world. He, he sees them coming. He sees Jesus walking his way. And there are the disciples following him. And he really knew what the disciples were thinking. The disciples were thinking, oh, I don't, what should we do? Should we spit at him when we walk by? But Jesus walks directly to him. And can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? What are we walking to, to that low life for? To that guy, that traitor who betrayed our country. Why are we going towards him? Maybe Jesus is going to give him a piece of his word. And maybe Jesus is going to come up to him and, and just say to him, you know, how do you get up in the morning? But what does Jesus say? He says this, Matthew 9. Verse 9, he says, follow me. Comes up to Matthew, sitting at the tax collector booth, getting taxes from people, stealing from his people. And he's, Jesus says, follow me. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? Whoa, 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 Jesus, whoa, whoa, what are you, what are you saying? You, if he's with you, then he's with me, but I don't want to be with him. And Jesus says, if you identify with me, I will identify with yeah. you. And Matthew's like, well, oh, this is just too much. Okay, just as long as we don't go to his house. Then Jesus goes, hey, Matthew, I've got a, got a brilliant idea. Why don't we go to your house? Peter's thinking, what? He lives with all the other tax collectors and all the other sinners. We're going to go there? Jesus, hey, guess what, guess what, disciples? Party at Matt's house. We got to the party. Told you there's a party coming. Party at Matt's house. Now, let me tell you something. Who are the people that that Matthew knows. The only people he knows are other tax collectors and other sinners, other outcasts, those people who were, who were deemed not worthy of society, those who were seen as filthy rags. Those were the only people he knew. And they were the people who came to the party. Now, the religious leaders, they followed Jesus everywhere, not because they wanted to be part of his crew, because they're looking for ways to trap him. Can you imagine what they thought? Ooh, he's hanging out with that low life. Well, I think we got him. They followed him to that district. They didn't even dare touch the house because they didn't want to get any, any tax collector cooties or anything like that. They didn't dare to go inside because I, I, I don't want to go into a place and get myself filthy. I don't, be, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to be filled with the stench of those, those low lives. I'm going to stay out here. I'm not going to defile myself by going in there. I'm too good to go in there. So they called out to one of his disciples in verse 10 to come out. While Jesus was having dinner at, the, at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and they ate with them and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I mean, why, why with those guys? If anybody, he should be hanging with people like us. We go to church every Sunday. We read the Bible every day. We pray. We are righteous people. We, we are the types of people Jesus should be hanging with, not with those types of people. Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, 
But the sick, you don't see any, any offense by Matthew and his friends. Because this is what we know about people who are far away from God. This is true of everybody who is far away from God. It is this, is that they know that they are far away from God. They know that already. Verse 13, Jesus turns to this, he says this, he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So why did Jesus come? For sinners. See, every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. Every sinner has a past. Every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. See, this is the point of the Christmas story. This, we can't carry on, start the series without understanding the point of the Christmas story. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is the point. He came for sinners. To us, a son is born. To us, a king is given to us. The savior of the world. What is he saving us from? Sin. See, many of us think the only way we can approach God is based upon what I have done. Many of us think that for whatever reasons. We sit in church, we hear all these things, Jesus loves you and all this, but we think the only way we can approach God is by what I have done. And if you're like me, I'm kind of like, and I used to be like the poor new Jesus. This is what my life was. I, you know, I, li I lived a life that was far away from God, but I tried to do good. I tried to change the way. I tried to change my life. And I thought, you know, if I do this good thing, I'll be good. I'm going to get closer to heaven. Oh, yeah, that's kind of good. But like anything, I end up doing two things even worse. Oh, oh man, I'm going to go all the way back here. And then you feel like you're just going up and down trying to do good and you're bad and you never get there. Then after a while, you're like, why do I even bother? And that's, and that's the problem. We think it's about what I have done. It's got nothing to do with what you have done. It's not about your self-righteousness. It's not about that. See, Matthew knew because he spent three years with Jesus. He was there, he was there when Jesus was on the cross. He was there by the empty tomb. And he knew that it was nothing about what he can do. But it was all about what Jesus had done for him. That Jesus had changed the rules. Because, because of the old approach where I have to do all these things, if that was true, then Matthew would have been shut out of the kingdom of God forever. Because he was a tax collector. He wasn't even allowed in the temple. He wasn't even allowed to purify himself. Because of his job. Because he was deemed by society not good enough. And if that was the rule, if that's, what, if that's how life is, then he was shut out for life. But Jesus changed the rules because there's nothing about what you can do but what Jesus has done for you. And he simply says, follow me. Follow me. And let me tell you something. When I began to follow Jesus, this is what I realized it was never about coming up and down the stairs. But the point of Christmas was that God came near to us when everyone else went far away from us, or when I went far away from God, He came down to us. To us, the Son is born. The Savior of the world. It's not about do, do, do. 
but it's, Lord, let me follow you. Every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. 